Welcome to We're Listening to Podcast, a community where all voices are heard. I'm your host, Rob Cook. Join me for a lighthearted show about the human experience with live conversations, discussions, and interviews of some of the newest to the most established 3P practitioners from all over the world. So no matter if you've known the three principles for years or you're new to Daily Insights, we hope each episode will inspire you to demonstrate a community where all voices are heard. Welcome to today's episode. Welcome, 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 everyone. Yes, we made it happen so much faster uh, just because of all the feedback we received. This is part two uh, to episode 120 of Life Worth Living. That was with me and my dear friend, Bill Jeruzzi, as we talked through probably two of the most hardest uh, years of his life. Um, and after going through that, it, it kind of the episode really hit me that we really wanted to hear the other side of that experience. Uh, so we're bringing in the big guns, all right? We're we bringing in the boss, you know? <laughs> we we scheduled this all the way up to the CEO, you know, <laughs> to get her to get her here. But uh, everybody, welcome to the show once again, Bill Jeruzzi, and a friend of the show as well, Lisa Jeruzzi. Hello, y'all. Hey. Hey, Rob. Thanks for uh, making this happen. Oh no, no, thank you all for making it happen. It's it's your story uh, <laughs> that I love. Uh, just hearing so much about and uh, I'm, I'm kind of going to throw you a curveball uh, just because you both are friends of the show and have been on and, and have introduced yourselves since I consider y'all like you know power couple like you know 3p couple you know stuff like that you know um, I would like Lisa to introduce Bill and Bill to introduce Lisa and I'll set it up as He's about to go on stage and talk, or she's about to go on stage and talk. How would you bring, you know, each person to the conversation? And you're going to be talking, your speech topic is, is the experience. So, you know, how would you bring them up? Wow. Okay. Uh, <laughs> when I first met Bill in uh, 1994, Four. I um, was blown away by his wisdom. We were actually, we met in a transformational program. He was a participant. I was uh, one of the staff uh, running, helping sort of the behind the scenes. And I remember, don't remember what he said, which he laughs about to this day, but I remember being so struck by the power of his words and the power of his energy is all I can say about it. And I can honestly say that in the almost 30 years we've known each other, I am blown away every single day by something that he says, an insight that he shares. He is the most amazing human <laughs> he sees beyond the circumstances and sees to a place that I I get blown away by I mean he has a you know background as he shared in his episode he was an engineer a lawyer but always always looking for how to have the best experience of life that was possible not for just himself but for humans, 
which is how we ended up meeting. And I fully feel privileged to be his partner in life. And I am so grateful, so incredibly grateful for what this experience has done for us. And I never thought I was going to say that. <laughs> so please welcome to the stage, my husband. <laughs> that is... Right now, that is my all-time favorite introduction of all time. That was so beautiful. So I don't know if it was absolutely a good thing, Bill, letting her go first. Because <laughs> she, right. she knocked out, went out the park. So, Bill, it's, it's on you. Bring Lisa to the stage for me, sir. Yeah, so we met in that seminar, and I always chuckle because there was a night when I was sitting in the, like in the front row of the seminar, and Lisa was managing the seminar. And she came up acting like she was checking things out, like the room. And she'd be like, hi, Bill. Hi, Bill. And I was like, oh, man, this, this woman is like checking me out. <laughs> and I never think <laughs> she's checking me out. But I was like, this woman is checking me out. <laughs> yeah, it was incredibly subtle. <laughs> she was very subtle, as she as she is usually. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, as she was introducing me, I just got present to, you know, uh, just 30 years later in this life that I have with all the trials and tribulations, the ups and the downs, the stuff that I went through uh, in the last uh, couple of years, the stuff I went through just in growing myself. But this is, I see that this is the product of being listened to for 30 years with love. Mm. It's just being listened to for with love, not just the love of who I am, but the love of who I could be. And because when we met, I was a no. To be in a relationship with Lisa, and she just kept being a yes. She just kept being a yes. She just kept being a yes. Not a yes like like a puppy dog yes, just a yes like, yeah, you're awesome. I love you. You're awesome. I love you. You're awesome. I love you. And at some point, I actually heard that. And, and a possibility was born. And so I've gotten to spend, you know, this 30 years with this amazing woman. And, you know, I'm just, I'm really happy that we're still here together and uh, i look forward to seeing now based on where we've come like i just feel like it's in it's been 30 years and in some ways it's just the beginning okay all right okay bill all right uh, first <laughs> off let me let me just say this was a good plan of mine like let me start with that i had to hold that Back, I, I, had to, I had to hold. I had to hold back and go. Did I beat her? <laughs> <laughs> it was in the no, end. <laughs> but that that actually makes perfect sense given what we're about to talk about. The love that you all have, like the the love that you all have for one another, for yourself and for one another, is is really all we're really talking about today. And and hearing the other side of that experience. Um, that bill you talked about in episode 120. So I'm just going to turn it over to you, Lisa. Uh, first, tell me what you thought about that most adorable introduction, you know, and then kind of take us back to, you know, when it, when it started. Um, well, thank you for that introduction. And I, um, I love this man with all my heart. So it's, it, it was really powerful to take that in so thank you um 
you know, I just want to start by saying it's not like before Bill had the brain bleed that, you know, everything was hunky dory all the time. You know, we we went through a lot in our marriage, just in our relationship, just in terms of, you know, finding our, I guess I would call it grounding now. Um, but then it was finding our footing, you know, and um, we were both passionate about coaching and, and transformation and making a difference and changing the world. So that was always our point of connection. And we built from there. And, you know, but by the time we, Bill had his, uh, had the brain bleed or the brain bleed happened. I don't know how to describe it, but we had already been um, introduced to the principles. We were living from them. We had worked with, he had worked with Michael and I had gotten the privilege of working with Michael Neal through him and George and Linda. And, you know, we were in this world and we, and I was feeling our relationship truly settling into a rhythm that was uh, so palpably different. I don't know if that's the right use of that word, but I mean, you could, in my experience day to day, it was a different relationship. We had so much of the petty stuff that we had dealt with before that looked important had fallen away. I'm not, again, I'm not saying it was perfection, but it was different. And I was like, boom, shakalaka. I, we are ready for that, <laughs> you know? And I remember you know, some of Bill's writing that was coming out at the time and some of the writing I was doing at the time. And I just felt like we were next level. And then, you know, the pandemic happened and 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 I was like, okay, you know, I'm going to take this time to really uh, help some people, but also maybe do some writing. I had all these thoughts about what was going to come. And then that didn't happen because on April 9th, Bill, you know, he described, he felt something happened and I knew I had to get an ambulance here and I did. And um, some people know that I own a second company where I work with EMS, emergency medical services folks. And one of my best friends is a paramedic and I called him and he, he said, you got to get to the hospital. I'm like, they won't let me come. They won't let me go. The ambulance, uh, uh, the EMTs and the, and the folks in the ambulance said, you cannot go. And so he's like, no, you got to go. You got to go. So long story short, I finally get through to a doctor and says, oh, you can come because your husband is dying. Mm. And I said, what? <laughs> like, By the way, that's the first I heard of that. So mm. he may have said you may die, yeah. but it was not. It was not. Come see it wasn't about COVID protocols at that point. No. Yeah. So got the, to the ER. They were, um, you know, I don't want to go into too many details, but they were doing what they needed to do. They had to transfer him to a, another hospital. And so I'm making decisions. They, I don't know what the hell's going on. You know, um, he was paralyzed, uh, did not know I was there, could not speak. And they didn't know. All they knew was there was a bleed and so they transferred him to the other hospital and I paced for hours no no word of what was happening nothing couldn't go in the back couldn't get information 
I was on the phone, but couldn't have anybody with me. Finally, they came out and told me what was going on and that they had put they had to put a shunt in his head to relieve the pressure and that he was going to have a procedure the next morning at 6 a.m. And this was probably one in the morning or so. And I was like, okay. And they said, we're going to bring him up to ICU. It's a special ICU. It's not with the COVID folks, but he's going to have this procedure. So I said, well, where do I wait? And they said, oh, no, Mrs. Trutzi, you have to leave. And I said, nope, not happening. (laughs) I'm not leaving leaving my husband in the hospital. He's having a procedure in the morning. I knew that if I left, I was not getting back in. And they were adamant. You have to go. You have to go. And I said, listen, I'm not going. And so you can do whatever you need to do, but I'm not going. She said, well, we're going to get security. I said, get security. So they <laughs> carry me out. And I was, at, I'm talking much more calmly. I was not yelling, but I was very forceful. I was like, you are not listening to my words. I yeah. am not going anywhere. Yeah. And so she told someone to go get security. And then they brought a chaplain over, which that's a whole other story. But in the face of that, I was escalating. And I said to them, I'm calling Channel 6. I'm calling Channel 10. These are the local stations. They're going to come watch you carry me out of the house. I was like done with them. <laughs> and as they were walking away to get security, I had a moment, or I don't know how many, where everything stopped. And somehow, some way, and no one knows how these things happen. I knew that none of it was up to me and that all the machinations, all the struggle, all the energy and effort I was putting into staying in the hospital was unnecessary. It wasn't words that I heard. It wasn't white light. It was a knowing to my bones. Like we know there's gravity. There was a knowing in me that it wasn't up to me. And that everything was going to be all right. Not that Bill was going to be all right, but that it was already fine. That there was nothing I needed to do. There was nothing I needed Mm -hmm. to say. That it was all, I don't know the right word. It was just out of my hands. It was not up to me what happened next. Yeah. And it it didn't matter if it was up to me or not. And so whatever need I had to control the situation disappeared. I can't explain what happened next. But when they when security came, I told them I would leave. And nobody was more surprised by that than me. (laughs) No, But I knew that my place wasn't there. And I don't I don't have good words for any of it. I've tried to explain it. I've talked about it before. There was just a knowing in me. That has not changed since that day that none of this is up to me or any of us. And whatever we think is up to us isn't up to us. And everything's fine. There's nothing we need to do to make it more fine. It's already fine. So that epiphany, if you will, or insight or whatever you want to call it, uh, is what grounded me. 
so when you know what everything that happened after that the four weeks of ICU where you know on a daily basis in the beginning they were telling me 50 50 is a 50 50 chance every day he lives he has more uh, opportunity you know that he's going to survive or more chance of survival couldn't go see him uh couldn't talk to him he was ventilated uh, and then uh a few days into the icu uh he de uh, developed a bleed in another part of his body and so all the recovery that he had had he, they had actually taken him off the vent and he was starting to eat on his own and really was getting better and then started to backslide. I guess it was about a week in. Had another bleed that they didn't know where it was and it ended up being in his abdomen. Uh, and they had to vent him again. They told me he might die. They couldn't stop the bleeding initially. So all of that is happening. And in my, you know, I got all this noise going on in my head. Yeah. <laughs> and yet more settled and grounded than I had ever been in my life and I couldn't I didn't know why I wasn't reacting to the noise but I wasn't so are you at home when you're at home I'm and at you're home. just basically in phone call to what the nurse's desk is it a, well, a, was, a person who's identified to give you information or how no, did that work it was mostly the ICU nurses who by the way angels all of them yeah, um, shout out to nurses they are i i didn't know this but nurses are oh my god so powerful in the healing of of our world and i had no clue to, i had I no clue. nurses as much i mean just again just they were amazing to be it was one me. of them that figured out what was wrong with me yeah it was, was one it was one uh, of them when i was having the gi bleed yeah really a a nurse. the nurse caught icu nurse her name happened to be lisa she caught it. She knew something was going on and she flagged that. And then they started doing and, and probably saying, <laughs> Bill, she put out a call to all the Lisas in the world. <laughs> she put that thing on the Lisa broadcast yeah. network. It was like, hey, we need to take care of my baby. So okay. all Lisas on deck. <laughs> I don't mean to harp on this particular time frame, but do I mean, the doctors got on the phone with me. The nurses kept me informed of what was going on neurosurgeons um you know they were doing their best they didn't know they didn't it was on a learning curve right they didn't know yeah. how to keep families informed and frankly it was very difficult for them because usually they get to know the patient from the family yeah. being present, oh, yeah. right and they get to use the the family relationships to help the healing i couldn't do it i wasn't there i couldn't come nobody could yeah. um so um, after about two weeks uh, of being on, again, vented for two weeks, uh, they took him off and uh, they moved him to another floor. And there was a lot of difficulty because, you know, ICU has an effect on people as, as good as it is and awesome as it is. It also affects people because you have no sense of time. You, you know, you're, you're, they were waking him every hour. I mean, it was, it was really a, a, a huge, I don't want to use the word trauma, but there was a huge, I would, I would. Yeah. I mean, there was, you know, <laughs> I really a, would. Yeah. yeah. That's a traumatic it, experience. 
Yeah, it it was for his body, for his brain, for everything. And then, yeah. you know, again, COVID. So when he got re- released from the hospital, we had no help. Yeah. I mean, they sent a PT, a physical therapist and an occupational therapist, which was fabulous. But that was like an hour, a couple times a week. Oh, you know, weird. I yeah. was like, oh, I'm supposed to do with them the rest of the time. Which is actually pretty interesting. Kind of, that's, that's a very good point. What was, what was your day like? Like, it, like if they, the calls were were a few minutes of the day, what else was happening during the day? Were you were you coaching? Were you, you mean being you coached? Yeah, yeah. While he was in the hospital. Um. Well, a lot of it was informing people. I was people. Okay. Constantly from people. Um. It was. I wasn't. I don't remember, honestly, if I was coaching or not. I think I was um, speaking with my clients, but I don't I don't remember if I was coaching, to be honest with you. Okay, I'll have to I'd have to look back. But, um, you know, it was taking care of our dog that we had at the time. It was talking to people being I was on the phone with ICU throughout the day. I mean, I got it probably every hour to two hours to check okay. on him to find out his status um you know I had a, a really good friend who came and stayed with me for a week when he went back on the um when they thought he might die from the second bleed uh she came and stayed with me so that I could go to the hospital if need be or how are you taking care of yourself that's kind of like how were you what were you doing if if you remember that was just, I mean, obviously I know it's the love for your husband, but what's keeping you going? Like, are you, are you eating? Cause you know, what, what's happening for you to take care of yourself, to get through this? Um, well, one thing that happened early on, I reached out to Linda Pransky because I knew that George had had a stroke. And at the time they were still classifying Bill as a stroke patient. He wasn't, okay. he was, he, it was actually a traumatic brain injury because he never had an aneurysm. So, um, but I didn't know that at the time. So I reached out to her and her, we never had a chance to speak. Uh, and I understand why, you know, cause she was also caring for George, of course, and also running a business. But she, what she said to me was focus on neurosurgeon told me he was going to have a full recovery, that Bill was going to have a full recovery. He was confident that he was going to have a full recovery. And she told me to focus on that and listen to Sid. And so that's what I did. I focused on that and I listened to Sid Banks videos and audios throughout the day, like several times a day. And, um, you know, I had the privilege of speaking to Michael Neal and um, Doc uh, Dickin um, other friends, people just took care, you know, just made sure I was okay. Yeah. Um, I also had uh, gotten into cooking <laughs> right before all this happened. And so I did cook a lot of, but really, really healthy foods because the neurosurgeon told me that ICU was the easy part uh, because he was being cared for. But when he came home, I was going to need every ounce of strength that I could muster. Mm. And so he said, you need to take care of yourself. And so I did. I 
took care of myself. I, I walked every day. I ate very healthy food, uh, cooked myself, you know, uh, and um, he could not have been more right because yeah. Bill came home. He couldn't sleep. He couldn't sit still. So I didn't sleep very much for weeks and weeks at a time. Um, so, yeah, that's how I took care of myself. But the neurosurgeon was very clear. <laughs> Bill, hearing that, hearing that story, uh, what's what's going through your head now? Just having, you know, hearing her talk about it. I keep welling. I keep welling up. Yeah. Here's my body's shaking. You know, just. I've heard bits and pieces. I just never heard the whole story told like that with that depth, which I'm grateful for. I'm grateful I'm in a place where I can hear it. And I'm just so grateful that she was there. And honestly, there's a sense of, uh, I don't want to call it guilt because it's not guilt. Just what I put her through, you know. Mm. But I keep reminding him he didn't do it. <laughs> yeah. He used to uh, say that a lot during both you know, both years, especially in the anxiety, we call the anxiety, year of anxiety. Year of anxiety. Yeah. Although both years were pretty, uh, he was pretty anxious, but, you know, he used to say that all the time. I'm sorry for what I'm putting you through. And I'm like, honey, you're not doing this. Yeah. If it wow. was up to you, I know you wouldn't have chose this. Yeah, Absolutely. You wouldn't put yourself or me through this. And so he's never, I've never ever felt like there's anything he needs to say sorry about or yeah any of that you know yeah, that's so beautiful but it's but it's also you know i'm just present to the the testament of the, the the strength of my wife the strength of human being yeah we'll talk about that innate resilience you know it's like i've i think i may have said this on our episode rob i don't remember a lot of it yeah i mean yeah, I, experienced, yeah. I experienced it in the way i experienced it i remember the crazy Lisa lived it. Lisa had to deal to, to deal with the crazy. She had to to keep finding her grounding. To you know, when I didn't even know that I was missing grounding, you know that I was I was just imagining that where's the Chinese family that should be living in our apartment, or you know, I'm just all the crazy things that were coming out of me because of the healing because my brain was healing. You know, they said it was going to just take time for the for all the blood that had been on my brain and the, all the crap that comes in blood to sort of clean itself up. But, uh, you know, I remember bits and pieces here and there and, and uh, you know, but she, she, um, she experienced every moment, you know, every moment as much as a human being experienced, but she experienced a lot more of it than I did. So yeah. just the grace that, you know, we're still here, that I'm still alive and that, you know, we're, because I I honestly, one of the things I wonder is, I don't know if I could have done it if it was the other way around. I don't know. I mean, it's not like, I'm not saying that I wouldn't do it. I'm just saying, I don't know. And I don't know how she did it. Because yeah. the bits and pieces of the stories that I've heard from her and from my best friends and from the other people in my life, it's like, holy crap, you know, uh, so that she stayed. Oh. Yeah, just a testament to yeah. you're amazing and I love you. <laughs> the end, you know, <laughs> you're amazing and I love you. Uh, <laughs> that's exactly what that says. That's 
you're amazing and I love you. I don't think that's such a remarkable story of unconditional love, resilience, um, strength, courage, commitment, like all of the, the whatever words we want to put, like this story is it, you know? Um, Can I just and, add one? I'm sorry. Yeah, sure, sure. Go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I just want to be clear. There were times it wasn't pretty. Oh, yeah. I believe that. I definitely believe I, that. I would love to sit here and say that I just, you know, accepted things with open arms. I, <laughs> I did the best I could given the thinking that looked real to me, just like every other human on the planet. But I do yeah. remember really early on a moment where I was feeling like such a failure. He, you know, he was, this was probably four or five weeks after he came home and it, he was struggling. Uh, there were some medication issues. It was a total debacle. He ended up back in the hospital and I felt like such a failure. And then I realized I have never taken care of another human being who had a brain bleed in the midst of a pandemic. So maybe I should give myself a break <laughs> and accept the fact that I was on a learning curve. Yeah. And something about that just freed me up to form a, almost like a partnership with Bill. I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but like, it wasn't like Bill was the problem. Mm -hmm. It was that he and I were up against healing and we didn't know what the hell we were doing. And we were doing the best we could. And I remember there was a moment when he was in the hospital the second time that they asked me if I wanted him to come home or they could try to find a some kind of a facility. I, I don't mean like a psychiatric facility, but somewhere he could rehab or something. Now, mind you, this is June or July. I think it was July of 2020. And I'm like a big fat no yeah. <laughs> anywhere where COVID might be. But I just knew in my heart that if he came home, we were going to be all right. Mm. And they were like, uh, Mrs. Truzzi, we really aren't sure that's a good idea. And I said, I, I got you. I got that. I don't know if it's a good idea, but that's what we're doing. Wow. And he came home and there were nights. I'm not, when I say he didn't sleep, I mean, he did not sleep for two weeks. We, he would sleep 20 minutes, half an hour. His brain was really struggling with all the blood. And, and as he said there, you know, blood is not like clear liquid. There's stuff, in yeah. it, you know, yeah. And it's not absorbing. And so different parts of his brain was dealing with, you know, the, the trauma at different times. And wow. I don't know, it was just like, I, I, and even to this day, when I can remember, oh, I'm still on a learning curve. <laughs> you know, and I, yeah. I ain't got off the learning curve yet, right? Like, yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to, to say yeah. that it was not always pretty. And I remember one time, uh, you I'm sure you don't remember this, but we had had a pretty difficult day where we had gone out for like three different drives, trying to get him to calm down. This was during the first year after you got hospitalized the second time. And I just remember saying to him at the end of the day, because I lost my temper over something stupid. And I said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, my love. It's just, I, I, I'm just, I need sleep. And he said, he said to me, honey, we'll do better tomorrow. <laughs> where did that come from but he knew it you know <laughs> I have, I have, like i don't i don't remember that but like little memories of 
silly things or or things that you, you like I look back and go oh that was wisdom you know like uh there was I went through this period of time where I knew that I couldn't trust myself like I mm. didn't know I didn't know if I'd wake up not know who Lisa was try to get I get violent with her so I would make her sleep in the bedroom with the door locked I would sleep out in the like the the family area the family room area because I was just afraid of what I might do in my sleep and so we had this agreement that I would I would knock on the door, I would give a code word, and then I would back away like eight feet away from the door so she knew that it was safe. Now, I don't know that she didn't feel safe. I never ever didn't feel safe. Not in that period. Of right, time. but that's but that's like for me, I look back and I go, Well, that was me. That was wisdom coming through me, given what made sense to me, what looked real to me. Yeah. yeah. You were trying to protect me. And you was trying to protect exactly. You were trying to and I think that's what's so beautiful about the story. And I love that you did bring that up, that it wasn't all roses and it wasn't all peachy and creamy. Uh because I I every chance I get to put that down as a reference flag for somebody to understand the principles I do. That while most people teach it in a very nice, calm tone, doesn't mean your life will always be nice and calm. You know, so I really love you highlighting this is dealing with the difficult situation, having this understanding. That's all we're saying. Gave you the ability to hear wisdom in times you couldn't trust yourself, which made you then create a few behaviors to protect someone you love. And then on her end, she's having experiences to protect you in the sense. It's like, that's all we're saying that happens. When, yeah. when you have this understanding, it just, you know, you need to tap in to something underneath your thoughts. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah, that's said so perfectly. Yeah. I remember he was waking up in the middle of the night and he would say, waking up, he'd sleep for like a half an hour. And then he'd go, you got to go to the room. And I don't know why I knew he didn't need to go. My thinking <laughs> yeah. was, oh my God, he can't go to the ER. It's COVID, blah, 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 blah. But I just knew I couldn't trust that. Yeah. And so I would take his blood pressure. I would take his uh, temperature. I had, you know, an oximeter. would do all these things. And then later I heard from a therapist who said, that was perfect because you got him in grounded in the facts and you took him out of his thinking who knew that's what I was doing yeah yeah so more and more and I think if anything that's what that insider epiphany in the in the ER was what it gave me was I could I could trust that something would come through or be there or whatever the right language is it was just there if yeah. I could take my attention off my thinking for two seconds and that's all I kept doing. That's all I kept doing. And and when I would re when I would remember to do that, that wow. that's what I man. Uh, again, I I so thank you both for for opening up your hearts to share that. Um, and all that we never even got to the year of anxiety. And honestly, it's the second so, year was wow. The second year was harder. It was. It was really a lot harder because I had I thought that he was uh healed for lack of a better term when he went back to uh, work and then by you know when he started to have all these issues coming up and i didn't know at the time it was panic attacks i thought it was medication and it was frustrating and 
and then it was like my now meanwhile I had started working a lot again so now I'm trying to figure out how do I run my two businesses and have this situation where he required my attention every moment of the day because he wanted to kill himself and so I was literally having one eye on where is he what is he doing and you know trying to run my businesses at the same time oh my god wow and I believed wholeheartedly during the first year that he was going to heal the second year I wasn't sure at times because I didn't we didn't know what it was you know what I mean like it didn't make sense to us that he was he would know that nothing was scary he would know that it was his thoughts and yet he was had panic attack after panic attack after panic attack in retrospect my thinking is I mean I think that it it was a different part of the brain that needed to heal I I don't know I mean I'm making this up no that makes sense though I could I could vibe with that that but it sounds right yeah yeah and and the work that he did and I mean this man worked his ass off to get better I mean for whatever I did I didn't have to live through that do you know what I mean so he gives me credit but that that was all him he he never stopped trying to get better even when he would say he wanted to kill himself it was only because he wanted to escape feeling terrible it wasn't that he wanted to die I don't mean to speak for you but that's what you said all the time so he never stopped looking for a way to feel better or to to be to so you know I give him so much credit for that and then when he had the epiphany of it's all lies that he didn't just throw that to the side. He actually said, Oh wait, let's look here. Right. And that, I mean, that's why I'm telling you, he's so amazing. (laughs) Yeah. I, um, I opened our episode talking about something he shared with me that just rocked my world. It's about, you know, the flip chart, the the clean page and, and starting your day fresh in life. Uh, I've always been been a huge fan of of you both and, and your wisdom and, and the work that you all do. It's just, we got to find a way to put this story together. <laughs> like this is, this thing is, I don't know if this is a book or a, a lifetime movie. I don't know what it is, but it is, <laughs> It is definitely something, you know, it is definitely something. But I want I want you to each take a second and I I totally just shifted how I want to end this. But each of you just take a second. And share, given the position that you were in for the experience, what's just something, Lisa, that you would say to a wife or a husband that's caring for a spouse? And, and Bill, what would you say to a spouse that's being cared for, um, you know, f- from their wife or their husband while going through something as harsh as you did? I, I believe it was, uh, and I'm not going to say his last name right, but it was John L. L. Mokadam. Okay. Um, he had a, he was, we met him during uh, Super Coach Academy. He was one of the mentors and I, I reached out to him and he was so generous and, and worked with me a little bit. And he said to me, what if everything Bill is doing is actually healing? In other words, that there's only one way the brain and the body know how to go. And that is towards healing. And even though what he 
was doing on the outside. I, my brain wanted to make up, oh, he shouldn't be pacing. He shouldn't be sleeping. He shouldn't be, uh, like he wouldn't eat for a while. Like he had lost like all this weight and, 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 um, it was terrible. And like, I was seeing all those as signs of sickness, signs of illness. And John helped me to recontextualize it as, no, no, this is all Bill moving towards healing. Mm. It just looks like sickness because I have a should about how his healing is supposed to go. And I can't tell you how huge that was. That sounds huge. I realized that everything I was thinking was all past-based, all from made up crap about what healing looks like and and tom uh bill's friend tom uh his best friend very good friend of ours thomasino used to say bill doesn't heal the way other people heal he's going to heal his <laughs> way said, yeah he does everything his way and, and it, but, but it's so easy to classify things a certain way right, to label it, to say, oh, this is illness, this is wellness, this is this. And, you know, someone could have said that Bill telling me to lock the door and he was going to sleep in another room was crazy. But you know what? It made it so I could sleep. And it made it so he felt safe. So was it? It wasn't. So I really, I don't know if I've ever thanked John enough, and I hope he listens to this episode or I'm going to email him, but that one thing is question what illness and sickness looks like, like whatever you think it is. And and I honestly trusted the wisdom inside of Bill. I really did. I trusted that he, his wisdom was coming through and and that it was going to move towards wellness. Even his, neuros, uh, his neurosurgeon told me the brain only you know, it goes in one direction and that's towards healing. Yeah. All it does. And you just have to, you know, create the conditions for that. So sleep was important. Nutrition was important. Going out for walks was important. Like all these things. Now, trying to get him to do those things was another episode. But <laughs> every, everything was pointing me towards the health of this human. Yeah. And that is what I would recommend for anybody. Brother, sister, best friend, anybody. Yeah. If you were interacting with someone who is facing any kind of health challenge or anything, whatever you want to call it, whether it's psychological, physical, or whatever, look for the health in that person because they have health within them. Maybe they can't hear it, but if you can speak to that and hear that, then your it awakens your own wisdom too because mm-hmm. you're not trying to figure out your thinking you're you're coming from that place inside of you that's well yeah wow i love what you said about the behaviors of what bill is doing is headed toward healing because what we do classify as sickness is actually healing if i get a fever people say i'm sick no i'm actually healing that's That's the body burning off the toxins, the infection or whatever is going wrong. So I'm actually healing. I'm not sick. I'm, I'm in the healing process. So that's very interesting. You said that I definitely, we got to have a sidebar conversation about that. Cause I, <laughs> I really like the way you said that. So uh, Bill, what would you say? 
And and I, I know I set some context, but I could care less. What's on your heart to share before we, we leave out? It's just, you know, I just want to hear from you. You know, I'm just, you know, I'm just so grateful. I'm so grateful to have had this conversation and, you know, grateful even to have what I go through. I mean, it, it's made us, it's made us stronger. It's made us closer. It's like, you know, uh, and I would say to anyone who I hope no one listening ever has to go through it. Um, and uh, when I look back, there were so many, the moments I, the mostly the moments I remember were the moments where I can look back and go, that was wisdom coming through. That was when I, my brain or my mind or whatever, whatever's inside of us, it woke up, you know, the, the locking of the door or the, you know, even the, you know, people don't understand this. And I don't, I don't know what, I don't honestly know. And I don't know that we'll ever know what takes someone from the state I was in to actually ending their life. But what I do know from my own experience is that the thoughts of suicide in some way saved me. Because when I would have, when I would be feeling so bad and I was just aching for it to end and I would think of suicide, I would think, Oh, well, if I wasn't here, I wouldn't feel that. Oh, if I wasn't here, I wouldn't think that. Oh, if I wasn't here, if I was dead, I wouldn't experience that. And in doing that, it cleared my mind and I settled down and I felt better. Mm. So even something like, again, I don't know, I don't know what actually makes someone take that step to take their life. Like, I don't know where that, how that transition's made. But what I do know for me is that even those thoughts of suicide, were healing it was an expression of my healing as awful as they were and as awful as i felt and as awful as they must have been to hear to hear your husband to hear someone you love so dearly say i'm done and so you know just as a as a deeper testament to what lisa just shared is we don't know what healing looks like and so you know i'm just i'm grateful you know, I'm grateful that I'm actually to the point where I don't want any more universe. I would say that with a caveat. I'm grateful that I, that happened because it woke me up. It opened my heart in a way that I didn't need to, I didn't know needed to be open. Thank you for listening to today's episode. For more information about the podcast, please go to 3pgc.org. If you're looking for more information about how to become a practitioner, or you want to be featured on the show as a new, fresh voice in the principles, send us an email at info at 3pgc.org. We'd love to hear from you. Knowing there is no end or limitation, nor are there boundaries to the human mind, have the day you deserve.